Welcome to Round Book Pod. I'm your host, Sarah. Today I have with me Ryan Chapman, who is an editor and manuscript... Manuscript editor. Manuscript editor, as well as a blogger, and is very active in the queer sci-fi Facebook group. Are you an admin of that? or I am. You are an admin. Okay. Yes. So today we will be discussing queerness in anime and manga and relating it a bit back to found family and then also just discussing the queer stuff we love in anime and manga and the titles we will recommend and a little bit about kind of just the history and queerness of Japanese manga and that sort of thing today. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So one of the questions I had, because I've been reading... Oh, where did my questions go? Come back. Come back. There we go. I've been reading and watching manga and anime since I was 12. I got into it with Inuyasha. That was my gateway gateway show. Um, What was... But the first queer show I found was uh, Descendants of Darkness, or Yami no Metsue. What was your first either show that had queer and or anime or manga that had queer characters or was explicitly focused on queerness and like either a Du Bois love or a Yuri or general manga? That's a good question because I'm 40 years old. So it kind of goes back to the availability when yeah. I was 10, 11, 12. So the, I'm not going to go back so far as to the very first exposure I had to Japanese animation, but I will say that the one one of the first movies my mom got for me and my sister was Grave of Fireflies. That's a uh, sad one. Yeah. It's, so but <laughs> it's one of those, you watch it once, and then if you have children in your life, you end up watching it a second time. And so then I've go seen find it. Neighbor Totoro. Uh, yes. So it's one of those, um, I've seen it twice, I have a nephew, but for queer things, and um, my mom was really particular about translations, because things get lost, Um, but the first, very first thing I saw in non-Western writing was Sailor Moon. That, that, for a lot of people, it's definitely Sailor Moon. I missed... I remember the dub a little bit, but it wasn't the thing I watched as a kid. I was, like, maybe a year or two out of that age group where everyone's like, oh, my God, the first queerness I saw was in Sailor Moon. And and see, I started reading it well before it made it to English translation. Okay. Mm-hmm. For the show. So by you're, the reading, you're reading the original manga. Mm-hmm. So before the show started airing and uh, locally I live in St. Louis the channel I remember the channel it aired on and you get to certain episodes and you're like that's wrong so seeing seeing things not as they should be was a big clue that there's always going to be some type of and I don't want to say censorship but hiding well in the case of sailor moon they made uranus and neptune cousins instead of girlfriends yes (laughs) i don't know if that's censorship but it's definitely we can't show 
queer people so we can show incest. Right. So then it was like, this is certainly not okay. But it also highlighted some very big things uh, for me and my sister. And this was cultural differences. Things that may not necessarily be okay or out in the open in Eastern culture, but with specifically the U.S., things that we rather it look bad this way versus just showing it how it actually is. Yeah. And it gets down to, and we see this with how history is taught. Um, We see this primarily with how culture is taught, how religion is taught. Yes. So when you, um, and growing up for us, it was very much, I would like to see this movie. Well, was it a book? Yes. Well, looks like you're reading first. So by the time we got to the show, it was like, I don't understand why they're cousins. They weren't cousins in the book. So why is this, why are they cousins here? Yeah, and that, that, that particular dub was notorious for mistranslation and just being being a bad dub in translation in general. I don't know. And this goes to something a little interesting that I've noticed and something I've had time to look at, especially getting older, is that, um, and I see it with subtitling as well. Um, I'll hear folks say, well, the subtitle's better. Mm, Not always. It depends on who's translating and who's doing. And what platform it's on. And what platform it's on, which company it's doing. Have right. you found legal fan subs? Are you watching the official fan or official subs and stuff like that? It always depends on who's giving you the product. Right. So something interesting I'll use. I think all of us are familiar with Black Butler. Yeah. Um, I would say this is one of my problematic faves. I, I adore it. But it's, it's, a, it's really it's it's fun. It's fun. But you, seeing it when I started reading it in my 20s, put it down and then I pick it back up in my late 30s. And it's like, hmm, I glossed over a bunch of things. Interesting. Like, I remember because I was big into anime conventions as a teen. I'm 28. So like okay. 15, 16, I remember the hordes of Sebastian, Ciel, and Grell. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I think maybe two years ago that I found out that Grell was actually trans. Yes. As of how the dub did it. And I, I know there's a manga, but I don't think the manga was as popular or as prevalent. It was mostly the Funimation dub. And I know, oh God, Sebastian's voice actor does a fantastic job in the dub. Yes. But I, I didn't know. And that's, again, a problem of translation of how Funimation has handled the medium. For me, a habit I've developed is that I'll watch a couple episodes and then decide on whether or not I'm going to read it. Because there's going to be things that are lost in translation. So when everybody's like shocked that Grell is actually, and really in the manga, it ha- it, they are more third gender. They're not really any particular one. So you lose this and it's something that should not have been lost. Um, so this is where you'll find me saying a lot more times, watching it is easy, but take a time, take some time out and read it. Because in most cases, it's going to be fame, frame for frame. But 
that localization, you're more than likely going to get a little bit more information because you're going to have your editor's notes, your author notes, and all of these things. Now, with Black Butler, there is a difference between the subtitling on Netflix and the subtitling for Funimation. There are oh. some subtle differences. Absolutely. I so I assume right. Funimation is like the original one that they didn't bother updating at all, and Netflix is... No, they did not use that. And I was watching, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go with Netflix. I'm proud of you for saying for doing this because you're you're watching it on Funimation and you're like that's not what I read but okay and, and I think Funimation like, now is trying to do better but again it all comes down to how much they pay the translators but that's a different, a different conversation. conversation that's a different conversation for a different day um so when I'm looking so when I'm picking out what I'm going to watch what I'm going to read I'm and you've seen this in uh, our discussion groups, I'm really, really picky. For a variety of reasons, there's things I don't read. There are um, things that I'll, I'll, give a, I'll give a try. And with manga or really any kind of comic book medium, I'll, I'll, I'll give it one or two volumes or one or two episodes before I either yeah. go, yes, I'm going to go on, no, I'm going to give this away. I think when I was first starting out with BL and Yaoi manga as a teen, I was like, I'm going to read whatever I can get my hands on. Because in like 2008, 2009, there wasn't a lot out there. We had uh, June manga, and yeah. I think maybe one other publisher, and I think that might have been it. Right. Uh, so availability. Nowadays, we have Seven Seas publishing a lot. We have Business Digital Print, which is. Oh, sublime God. sublime um we've got one piece books um pantheon Kadansha, and like a whole bunch of others like actually there's there's more i've, I've seen someone say we're like in the golden age of yuri <laughs> and i see a lot more yuri than i do uh yuri and girl love because i do break down certain things because when someone asks because um, I do a lot of book recommendations and things on Twitter, I would like to read Yuri. Okay. Well, what well, kind well, of Yuri well, do you well, want to read? What exactly do you want? What are you looking for? Because this colors the type of recommendation. So when you're getting into, well, I would like to read something dirty. Okay, I got your dirty. Um, but if you're looking for something more romantic, I would call that more girl love, where you're running, you may have some problematic content, but you're not running into a whole volume of, I could have just not paid $12.99 for this. Yeah, yeah, because manga is expensive. <laughs> right. So expensive. I think my favorite Yuri or girls love one is um, Kase-san and the Morning Glories. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's very sweet. Um, and, like, you get to see their progression throughout high school and into college. Yeah. So you get the, because a lot of Yuri and Girls Love takes place in high school or an all-girls school. And that's, like, a tradition that, like, goes back mm -hmm. into, like, the early days of the genre. Because that's just, a th like, a tradition. Because there were, like, girls' schools in Japan. Like, you had, like, your own son You had your older sister. And, like, right. there was, like, romantic friendships and stuff like that that would get mixed. Um, so Kase-san, and I think it's also 
Oh, I didn't. There's another one. I think it's sweet blue, sweet blue flowers. Yeah. That you actually get them out of high school and into like the rest of their lives. And right. I know there's also um, a bunch of others. Yuri coming out from like seven seas. That's like about adult women living their lives. Right. And see, the, they're in life. Then you run into. So like, I think most people's go to was citrus. And I'm like, big no. Wait till you've got some other stuff under your belt because there are going to be things that if you're not willing to put in the footwork it's not assuming the readers unintelligent they're just cultural things that you're not going to understand without the footwork yeah and and citrus is a lot more complicated as far as cultural intricacies um and the nuances of how these two high school girls are navigating not only their relationship, but the nature of society surrounding. Yeah, it's well, it is it is a Yuri? It's an original one or an anime, anyways. Um, Kuniko Ikuhara's um, Yurakuma Arashi. Okay. <laughs> Which he's the uh, Ikuhara is the same person who did Utena as well yep. as he worked on Sailor Moon. Um, mm-hmm. And then his latest is Sarazanmai, which is. Very weird, very good, but also very gross. Well, <laughs> ah, see, cultural nuance, because this it, is one it, I really wanted yeah. to talk about. Because when you're going back to found family, there's some definite distinct things within this one that, for all of its, I think, strangeness to Westerners, I found this one to be really one of the best examples of found family, but also the social commentary and the economic commentary that go with it. Yeah, yeah. Ikuhara is known for his commentary on, like, capitalism and stuff like that in Mm -hmm. society. Like, in Yuri Kumarashi, they have the, they, they actively show how they shun their classmates if they are different. Right. With, like, the cell phones. Like, okay, we're voting now who's different. Because, like, they're bears, or and act like in in this case, there are literal bears. Right. And they have to you have to keep the bears away, and anyone who's different has to go away and be shunned. Mm-hmm. And so we have the main protagonist who the bears fixate on, or <laughs> like infiltrate the school, and it is the way Ikuhara uses flower imagery yes. in the place of like. This is supposed to be really horny. Here's some flowers dripping honey. Right, Uh, but that comes back to, and see, this is a very historical, this harkens back to more how sex is portrayed throughout art history. Flowers being used to symbolize... Georgia uh, O'Keeffe? Georgia O'Keeffe. Her use of flowers symbolizing womanhood. When we're talking about, whether we're talking about to women, a man and a woman, if sex is implied anywhere in that, whether she be virgin or not, the the flower imagery is used, yeah. The flower imagery is going to be used. And so using that kind of imagery is not graphic, but it plants that seed there. Yeah. So with Sarazama, it's it's really fascinating how Ikuhara, like, so when you have the otters dancing, mm-hmm. 
and then you see, like, the entire, like, evil plot happening in the background. Yes. But you're fascinated by the dancing otter guys, because they're hot. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be paying attention to not the dancing otters, but the rest of the plot. Um, right. And that was one of the things that, like, my watch through, and I've only watched it through once, it's what's going on in the background with that show that is more important than any of the foreground foreground matter. So, like, the uh, video that Childish Gambino did. Um, this is America? This is America. The foreground wasn't the issue. It's the background. That yes. is. So, that, that choice and presenting the show in that manner, I thought was really, really clever. Because so many shows, and this is any show nonspecific, the foreground is important. You're not watching what's happening in the background because the entirety of the plot is right there. Yeah. So that, to me, was more fascinating, a fascinating aspect of the show and what brought these four boys together. Yeah. It's really... It's been a while since I watched it, because I watched it when it originally aired, but it's just, there was so much Sarah's on my fan art on my Twitter dash <laughs> for the two, for um, Mabu and Rio. Um, right. One of the other shows I think aired around the same time, Sarah's on was spring. Um, one of the other shows that came out last year, which was like a, a, an absolute sleeper hit to me, was um, Stars Align, directed by Kazuki Akane. Mm-hmm. Um and you're, you're, you're just expecting, like, your average soft tennis sports anime about these down-on-their-luck underdog kids trying to get their club back on its feet. And you don't expect it to get into issues of adoption, abuse, family divorce. Um, there's a really great scene um, that I linked to in the notes I made on the uh uh, that will be in the show notes. Um, it's a scene from one of the later episodes that Funimation posted, and it's one of the characters, one of the kids in the um, team, the, on the, sport, the soft, soft tennis team, is uh, ex-gender, which is our equivalent of non-binary. Yeah. Our similarness. Uh, the, the, the closest equivalent over here is non-binary. And there's a discussion of gender and of labels, and there's two there's an there's an ex-gender character there's a trans man in the show and the lead character wears a girl's soft tennis visor because the girls wear the visors the boys don't and when he gets questioned about why he's wearing that he's like well i like it doesn't matter if i wear it and so like he talks about his own queerness and i really liked how the show dealt with it and the unfortunate thing with this show is it was supposed to be 24 episodes, mm-hmm. but the episode, it, the mid-production, it got cut to 13. Ah. So it's like, the end of it is just like, wait, what, why does he have that knife? What is he going to do to right. his father? Um, so it's, but I really liked how the show, it, it really went there to discuss the issue, like various issues of family and stuff like that, and how these boys... And again, speaking of found family, their home lives aren't great, but they form this tennis club and they're going to do their best to keep this tennis club alive because the student council wants to shut it down and use the funds for something else. Right. 
And it's like one of those, it's one of those sports animes where they just have to win one match. That's all they have to do. They're not mm-hmm. these pro kids. They're they're just down on your luck trying to just play the game, which isn't what you often see in sports anime. Right. But another series that I think does Found Family really well, it's a manga from Seven Seas called Our Dining Table. And it's about this salary man who's just sitting there eating his lunch. And he's got this giant rice ball. And suddenly this little kid comes up and is like, wow, that's a really big rice ball. Can I have some? And he's just like, sure, I guess. And like right. the little kid's brother is like absolutely embarrassed. And but they just he's like, oh, no, I how about I make you a lunch? And they just bond through cooking. And eventually he comes to their like starts going to their house. Mm-hmm. And he's not in contact with his family because he's gay. So he becomes part of this other family. And it's just the two brothers and their dad. So he's become part of this new family and they bond through cooking and eating together. And I just, I liked how it talked about culture and food. And it just, it's a very, it's very nice. It's very fun. Um, And it's only one volume, which is easy because sometimes things get to be like 14 and you're like, oh, right. That is a good one. I just finished that one a few weeks ago. And it's definitely light reading with some heavy themes. But it, I didn't find that one overly challenging. Yeah. There, there's actually a lot of BL or that deal with, like, food. There's, like, uh, What Did You Eat Yesterday by um, Fumi Yoshinaga, which is, if you want to read a lot of recipes, it's great. <laughs> Um, but, like, underlying those recipes, like, when I was reading the first volume, he, like, bumps into this random woman in the store, and she comes back home, and she's like, oh, God, I'm alone with this man. He's like, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And, and just how, because it started, like, in 2007, and it's still going now. So you get to see the evolution, because they talk about, like, the 2008 recession and how that affects his boyfriend and his job as a hairdresser. And... It also shows in a way the prejudices, like he, like his, like how he deals with his, his relationship with his parents um, and the woman that he befriends with cooking. Like her husband brings home from tennis all his tennis friends and he's like, here, I brought this gay guy. I assume you know him. And he's like, we don't all know each other, but I guess I'll befriend this guy now. Right. It's a very, it's very soft but also deals with what it's like to be a gay man. And I think it's done very well. Right. And one of the things that is really important, I think when people are looking at certain types of relationships and while this is in some cases, it's not going to be demonstrated quite as well. And this is something regardless of the genre Food is really important, not necessarily food-based, but the act of eating, Yeah, the act of serving others food, because the way I was raised, a lot of my friends that are not white, we, we spend a lot of time in the kitchen, we spend a lot of time eating, we spend a lot of time feeding each other, and this is something that when they're showing the author, the mangaka is showing 
this active eating, this active feeding, this is very significant in that relationship because it be, goes beyond someone being hungry and needing food. Yeah. This is a really, this, and this is something I often look for when I'm looking for maybe not necessarily a relaxing read, but I want to see the characters care for each other. Yeah. And I look for manga that has food in it. Are they eating? Are they going out to eat? Are they cooking? Not necessarily as blatant as what did you eat today, but is this part of the storyline? Because often in Western writing, you have whole months of events go on and nobody stopped to eat. Yeah. And I'm very concerned about this. Like no one was hungry in these last two years because reading this, I'm starving. And this is one of those, and this to take it slightly away from specifically uh, queer books or manga and comics, it's something that can be found in hetero as well as just groups of friends. Yeah. Um, one that I one that I saw was kind of prevalent in this was Tokyo Ghoul. That act of eating, feeding each other, making sure everybody's fed, that's important to that familial bond, that close friendship. And that's how I approached my recommendation, was how I approached what I would recommend over things I would not, was, did anybody eat anything? That, that's, a, that's a, it's something I've thought about offhand before, like how, like, they've, like, in fantasy books where they don't mention food and stuff like that, and I've never, I seek out foodie romances, but I don't, and I like it when characters feed each other, and it's, it creates a powerful, as you said, it creates a powerful connection, like, there's a, another anime called Ristorante Paradiso. That's mm-hmm. just entirely an Italian cafe with old hot dudes. Yeah, that's actually on my to-read list. So, and the fascinating thing about that author, and she's new to me, I was actually looking for something to watch. And um, one of the things is I have food allergies. So I like watching people eat, especially eating things I cannot eat. So I was like, oh, this is hot, this whole um, Aka 13 is, they're going out to eat, and he's bringing food back for his coworkers and his sister. This is something for me to watch. And the subtext, it's the things going on in the background, more so than what's actively happening in the foreground. But the act of feeding, making sure that he brought something back for his coworkers, for his sister, and the fascinating thing about this author's writing, the more I started digging into her works, was everything she does has a little bit of subtext. And you blink, you miss it. Yeah. As as we're talking about food now, um, I'm reminded again in Kobayashi Maid Dragon how she keeps trying to feed her, but she Mm -hmm. keeps feeding her like pieces of her own tail. Yep. Like, no, I, I don't want to literally eat your tail that you've cooked for me. That's not what I want to do. And so she keeps trying to learn how to cook so yes. that she can 
like please her and like because she she loves her and she wants to like actually like get it right and so like food is very prevalent in anime like with one piece like luffy is always eating Mm -hmm. oh so it's like like and now that you made me think of it i was like oh yes food is always a theme whereas in west as again in western stuff it's not as prevalent like there's antique bakery which is also by um fumi yoshinaga that's about it's another older bl manga about two men who run a bakery yep there was something else that was food related but now i can't remember what it was there's, I don't know if they feed each other, but the anime given, or and the manga given by Natsuki Kizu, the characters are always meeting during lunch. Yep. So these are things now, growing up in the States, I'm not white. So that noticing the differences between Western writers, but Western writers who are not white. You got them sitting down to eat. Now with um, older, when you start getting old to older books, um, you'll see more food. People are eating, making sandwiches, all of these things. And then there's this transition in writing where people just stopped eating. And it was like, that's, that's weird. You went through like two months of action and no one had food. I, I think it's part of the, we always have to see constant motion and we're not allowed to have downtime in books. That that is what ends up in the slush pile of editing, I guess. I, it depends on how they integrate that, and so that becomes an editing, developmental editing, and a writing skill. Yeah. Can I write food? Can I write eating and it not be boring? But those are the kinds of things I look for. I try to keep like if I'm recommending. Because I do get more requests for boy love or yaoi than I do for girl love or yuri. And I go through my collection. And um, there, there was definitely a lot of stuff when I was younger and looking to read anything that was like, yeah, I don't I don't care what this content is. I just want content. Because when you don't have anything, you just read everything. Right. And there's definite even um, with my uh, cousin's wife introducing her to things and I'm like she'll pick up something out of my collection can I and I'm like "Mm, not until you read this and the only reason is is that this is a softer version of that yeah um and it's not that throwing you into the deep end of the pool but this is like the strange found family how about we don't do that yeah you read this one and then we'll talk about the rest of this whole thing because keeping it you know pg pg 13 because when you start getting into what is truly mature content things take a left turn yeah because there in both yuri and bl there are problematic histories to the genre but that's with any genre oh and i think both genres have grown a lot and um there's and, and there's other genres. There's Bara as well, which is its own thing. The one Bara writer who writes not all other stuff besides Bara um, is Genguro Tagame, who wrote yes. My Brother's Husband. Yes. Um, which is a great, another great found family thing, or actually not found family because it is family. Yeah. Um, but it's unique because the main character he's divorced with his daughter 
and his, he, he, I think he knew his brother was gay, but he didn't really talk about it. Right. And then suddenly there's this big giant Canadian on his front step, and he's mm-hmm. like, I'm your brother's widow. And he's yep. like, what do I, I can't turn this man away. This is kind of uncomfortable for me, but I can't turn this man away because he's family. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it was really beautiful to read that series. It was. I really, and the other bit, and this is something that I don't read, unless the character has a child, I don't read anything with children at all. That is like regular books, comics, it doesn't matter. I don't do children. I'll occasionally go through it if my nephew wants to read it, but I don't I do not do children. Not if it solely squares around there in high school. I've never had. So this one, for me to pick this one up, was unusual. But it was like, I'm familiar with the, I'm familiar with the author, so let me, let me throw some dollars at him. And I was really pleasantly surprised, because I was like, I'm not sure, because this is out of the realm of things I normally read. So that one's, that is definitely one I tend to recommend more often than, say, um, as I'm looking at my shelf. I'm more likely to recommend that one, Seven Days, um, I'm going to get all squinty here for a second, Love Stage, those are ones that I'll recommend. They're not necessarily found family so much as they make their family for themselves. They have family, but then they become family. Yeah. Okay, and then the one I was looking for is... I don't know if it's still in print. It's June manga, so that's a crapshoot on that. But uh, La Tole Solitaire. I don't think I've heard of that one. This one? I actually picked this one up at a, at a used bookstore. Uh, it was in the wrapper. And I was like, huh. Ooh, that means it's going to be scandalous. Wow. It wasn't. It came with a postcard, actually. So one of the interesting things about this, and this is where cultural misunderstandings happen, I think, a lot with reading. We're taking our own experiences and placing those, placing those, taking those with us when we read. Something I talk about on Twitter when it comes to reviews. This book has a parental advisory explicit content in it. It's all fade to black. <laughs> it's a little, it shows them in position but there's no nudity, absolutely none. And it's one of those that I was really surprised it was labeled that way. But this is one of those, if I was going to say, let me, someone says, oh, I'm really curious about what you read. That's probably the first one I give people if they can find it. Okay. But what I want people to really take away is that when you're looking for Western tropes in Eastern writing, take a minute to step back and to step away from yourself. Take a step away from what your preconceived notions are. Look for certain things that, how you, when you are with your friends, your close friends, what do y'all do for each other? That intimacy right there is something that will lead you to the path of finding what you're looking for. Yeah. Understanding that 
Western ways aren't the best ways. And there are cultural overlaps that happen all over. But how we view food typically will lead you in that direction of finding that finding that family, finding the intimacy of the people who love you for you. Yeah. And that's really in my journey of looking for a certain specific thing. The other bit is when we read these stories, they belong to us when we're done. And we're adding these characters to our own little literary family. And we're doing that through in, in the same method that we treat our, our own real people. And as I did my research for this episode, it all came back to food. Yeah. And when I look at my little literary family of characters, and this is from across genres, every character that I love or obsess about, it all came down to how they treated each other and how they took care of each other as as a grouping in that story. Yeah. And, and that's really powerful because we need to take care of our friends and we need to take care of our family and we need to feed each other because that's how we support and yeah. make sure people are loved. One of the last ones I've read, or I'm in the middle of reading volume three right now, um, Our Dreams at Dusk by Yuki Kamatani. Kamatani. Yuki Kamatani. Um, and it's about a high school boy who, he wants to kill himself. Um, and as he's, like, staring at this, like, ledge, someone jumps out of a window behind him and lands safely. And he's like, who is this weird person? What? Um, and that person is literally named someone. Um, and he ends up at this LGBT drop-in center. And he's like, oh, I've, he's like not quite comfortable with himself being gay, but he meets other queer people there. He meets another, um, middle, another, he meets a middle schooler who likes to cross-dress and isn't sure what gender they are. He meets he meets a lesbian couple. He meets another gay boy from his class who is like, oh, the guy I like is here. Oh no, oh dear, <laughs> what do I do? And it's just, it's a love, it's a beautiful how it treats queerness because I believe the author is gender queer themselves. So having that like own voices aspect to it, to how it treats gender, how it treats queerness, and how like these people come together and the, there's a drop-in center that also they fix houses. Okay. So like they're fixing all these old dilapidated houses. So it's that building of a community bond together that they, and they like assign him a house. He's like, well, you're the triangle one. You're or the triangle house. You fix that one. And he like kind of leaves the drop-in center for a while because he gets upset at a festival and he, he comes back and they're like, yeah, no, we still we still have that house for you. That's the one you can fix. Mm -hmm. And so it's like about building that community bond. And like, I believe there's aspects of food in it, too. I don't remember volume one as well. Um, but it's just how that community comes together. And it's really nice. So we're getting to the end. What is on your TBR for anime and manga, queer anime and manga to read and watch? Uh, 
I've been giving that some thought. Mm. So right now I'm kind of in the middle of Star Collector. Let's see. Also, I'm reading Fourth Generation Head by Scarlett Barrico. Also, I have Jealousy by her. I have Jealousy 1. That's also on the list. Um, I also have Coyote Volume 1. And then, um, let's see, as far as what I'm watching, I'm actually doing a rewatch of Aka 13, Territory Inspection. I'm watching the dub. Okay. Because I wanted to see what the dub was like. I wanted to see what kind of voices they picked. Things that I've recently finished um, that I, I think fit our theme. How to catch run, catch a runaway sheep. I have that on my TBR too, and I'm like, this looks so fun. <laughs> it is. And it, I like courtship. I like the wooing. I know that sounds old-fashioned, but I love it. No, I, I love the wooing as well. The, the woo, the woo. The woo, the woo right. favorite. So I, I like that. So How to Catch a Runaway Sheep was funny because the one of the characters has like he starts wooing and he doesn't even realize it till it's too late and he's head neck deep and he's like I'm in just let's just do the thing. I think for like for grown folks that are feeling a little adventurous or scandalous. <laughs> I may regret this. I'm probably going to regret this. But one of my favorite uh, manga cards, it she does, uh, it's a, she does, it's like a combination of uh, Bishonen and uh, Vera. Oh, that's an interesting combo. And um, I'm going to say it right now. That is, that means pretty boys and big strong men. Oh, yeah. She, um, she's a whole problematic, just, it's, trigger warnings are definitely going to be there, but her drawing is beautiful, absolutely stunning. I was really, really shocked that she's so low rated uh, in English, but on the other hand, I, I understand why. Mm-hmm. I completely understand why. Um, but if the, it's she's scandalous and she's not ashamed of it. And I and I appreciate that. But it is definitely not for children. Do not leave it laying about. But I would say um, Wild Boyfriends in Heat by Sakira. Okay. And then one more that is in the pile uh, that I'm super looking forward to let's go here um that i have not started and it is lost letters and the match seller Ooh, this one looks pretty i'm i'm going to definitely take a look at that one um so for my tbr i've got Oh no! Come back, list. The, I'm gonna finish our dusk at dream. Our dreams at dusk. I can read. Um, and then there's the ballroom dancing manga, Ten Dance. Yes, I love. Um, which I had the first two volumes, and then I had the library get all the other ebooks, so I can just read that in ebook. And then Paradise Kiss, and 
I am in love with the villainess by Nori, which comes out from Seven Seas, I think, in a few weeks. Yes. And then Descending Stories by Haruko Kumoda. I've seen the anime for that, and I wanted to read the manga. And then um, I kind of want to finally watch Banana Fish. You want old school Yuri, a translator that I actually, uh, we follow each other on Twitter. Her name is Rachel Thorne. And I have certain affinity for her translations, especially she does Yuri. Uh, Erica Friedman's another excellent translator. Erica Friedman, she is a really great thing on like the hundred years of Yuri on what defines Yuri and that whole history. She's yes. a, she's fantastic and it's it's so fascinating how the Yuri genre got its name and all of that. And I'll definitely link in the show notes a couple of her blog posts and other discussion stuff that she has done. But I do recommend and I think it's probably because I'm I'm much more of a reader and once I watch an episode or two, like I said earlier, I'm less likely to watch as I will read it, then go back and watch. I will tell the listeners, um, feel free to follow me on Twitter. I complain about all kinds of things, book-related, comics, it doesn't matter. I'm equal opportunity. But I do make a lot of recommendations if you like. If you like, tell me a book that you like. I can probably match you with a comic or a manga or something like that. Because you don't know you don't like something until you try it. It's like eating. You don't know um, if you don't like it till you stick it in your mouth. Exactly. I have a whole blog post about just that. <laughs> uh, depends on where you're sticking it. Um, <laughs> but definitely um, come, feel free to follow me on Twitter because that's definitely where I have most of my book discussions and recommendations and all that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ryan. This was a fantastic discussion. I don't always get to discuss manga with people and it's it's a lot, so much fun you can find me sarah on twitter at queer underscore reader where i yell about all things gay and queer and occasionally post cat pictures and what is your twitter handle ryan everybody can find me at ryan candace r-y-a-n-e c-a-n-d-y-c-e and i talk about science fiction fantasy uh my latest pulls manga anime book stuff mostly and then you'll see pictures of my dog and cat oh yes (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me we hope you enjoyed this episode of rom book pod inclusively yours. If you'd like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at rombookpod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.